everyone and welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, I have an awesome guest today by the name of Sabine. And, you know, we've been dealing with mindset and all of the amazingness and even our relationship with money. So Sabine is going to help us straighten a lot of this out. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with Sabine. So guys, like I was saying, I have Sabine Gideon and she's talking about living your best life. So Sabine, please introduce yourself to my listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, So I am Sabine Gideon. And while, you know, I would love to say I've been living my best life all my life. (laughs) We know that that is uh, not true and not realistic. Um, so my, what I do today is, is executive uh, coaching and leadership development consulting for small businesses and startups. Um, and so my background has been, uh, my career background has been in HR, uh, got to, you know, the point place where I realized that I was no longer in alignment with the work after 13 years went through a whole identity crisis and and kind of discovering, well, who am I? Who am I without, you know, HR as my identity or corporate America as without my identity? And got to this place where I had to I had to look within uh, for a deeper meaning and deeper purpose as far as my career goes. Certainly had done that process uh, years prior f- through my pers- professional life. I'm sorry, through my personal life. And now it was time for me to do that professionally back in 2016. And so I set a plan, decided that I was going to leave corporate America to start my own company, which I did. Um, it has been a journey for sure. And so uh, from career coaching to transition coaching, uh, I've, I've landed in the leadership space, uh, mostly because most of the people I've always coached were leaders. Um, and so today, my focus is really around not so much the the typical leadership development uh, content that you usually see through like the gurus around business acumen and executive presence and and all that other stuff. Though I I do think that those are important. My focus is really helping individuals, specifically women, tap into their inner leader. Uh, Leadership, I believe, is an innate trait that that we all have within us and we are leading with or without a title. So my goal and I feel like my purpose in this season of my life is to really help unearth that within women, specifically in emerging leaders, and helping them unleash, as I call it, unleash the leader within so that they could show up uh, as their best selves in every area and aspect of their lives, be it personally, professionally, or within their businesses. Okay, so you decided to stop being the scary HR lady, huh? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know that I was ever the scary HR lady. I probably would have gotten a lot further if I if I took that um if I took that approach. I've always been 
a lover of people, always had this passion to support and to develop. And quite frankly, part of why HR no longer aligned for me is I realized the further up you go and, and you know, don't get me wrong, I worked really hard uh, to climb up the ladder, but the further up you go, the less it was about the people, the less it was about impact, um, the, the more you were concerned about, you know, keeping the executives on their toes or worried about the bottom line. So I, Fortunately, don't fall into the scary HR lady category, but I've certainly worked with enough who do. Well, that's good. That's good. At least we didn't have to worry about, you know, you're going to HR, which is like, <laughs> you know, the one thing that no one wants to hear. Um, <laughs> so what made you, because you're talking about changing from executive and corporate America to helping, you know, small businesses. What made you say, you know what, it's even though you were stepping away from HR, but what made you say, no, I don't want to do big business. I don't want to do big corporations. Yeah, great question. And so when I was when I got to my little uh, moment meltdown there and realized that the path that I was on was no longer the path that I wanted to be on. One of the first things that I did, I had to take a step back and, and assess, you know, when when did I feel like I was making the most impact in my career and when did I feel the most fulfillment? And when I looked back, it was when I was working with uh, employees one on one to map out their careers or when I was working with leaders uh, or sitting with leaders behind closed doors and, you know, all of the bravado, all of the ego, all of everything went out the door and they were complete vulnerable humans with me. So at that point, I realized, okay, there's there's something there, right? There's uh, a little bit of, of a whisperer uh, there in terms of being able to work with those individuals. And when I started my business uh, as an entrepreneur, I recognized, you know, you start to build community with other organizations or with other entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people who have, you know, business with teams and whatnot. And I was starting to see a lot of the same behavioral patterns that I saw in the corporate space, uh, in that space as well. Because, you know, oftentimes when we become entrepreneurs, it's because we have a passion towards something or we have a skill set that we want to uh, be able to, you know, share with others and get you know, money in exchange for that. But it's similar to the same experience in corporate America where, you know, the manager or the, the person who's a real good at their job, they're the subject matter expertise and, you know, their manager notices that and immediately promotes them to manager with no training, no nothing. They've gone from now being an individual contributor to now they're supervising their peers and trying to navigate, well, how do I, you know, assert my authority and how do I give feedback and how do I do all this stuff? And it was the same was true in the uh, small business space. So the startup space, uh, people who were, you know, moving past solopreneurship to building a team, it was like, I'm good at coaching or I'm good at consulting or I'm good at this one particular thing. Now I'm building this team. I'm not getting the results. How do I give feedback? And so for me, that was a natural draw um, because I know that it, it was more than, you know, learning how to give feedback. It's shifting into a new identity. It's shifting into that identity as a leader. It's seeing yourself not as the worker, but the person who influences 
influences others uh, to get the work done. And so that piece has always fascinated me and that's kind of where I've always played. Uh, so working with smaller companies, speci specifically startups, there's a lot more uh, room and appetite for that because you know these are small teams and, and they need to get up and running so that they can continue to grow and continue to scale. And you know, in organizations, traditionally, uh, now it's changing just a little bit, but you know, previously only the executives, the top executives got coaching or the ones who were like one foot out the door, they were the ones that went through coaching. So now that it's becoming more widespread in these larger organizations where they are investing in mid-level management, you know, my business model may change, but I know for a fact, at least right now where the market is, um, small business owners and, and even startups are a lot more conscious of their um, their shortcomings and also, also a lot more willing to get the support that they need so that they can be successful and build successful teams. Wow. Okay. So let's take a step back for a moment because you talk about not only your ideology no longer aligning, but you realize that you are in mid- I don't know how any other way, any other way to say it, but you're in mid meltdown. <laughs> yeah. So, because I think one of the things is we, and, and I will say this, especially we as women don't realize sometimes we're doing so much. We're in mid meltdown. What mm. made you recognize, you know what? Sabine, you're not in a good place. You're, you're not, you're not where you want to be. You're not even where you want to be mentally. So what made you recognize this? Girl. Um, <laughs> so at the, at the, the first time, right. I recognize this because this, this, this was, it took multiple times for me to get the lesson. Um, but the first time, you know, I found myself working extra hard, right. You know, uh, 12, 13 hours of the day, um, you know, working on projects. It was, it was almost like I got to a place where I realized that no matter how much I gave and I gave and I gave, like the work was never done. It was always another demand, always another ask of me and, and very little time for me at least to refuel, get my bearings so that I can move forward and not feel like I was always uh, drinking out of, you know, both sides of the hose. And so for me, it just got to the point and, and sad to say that I've experienced this multiple times where I just I had nothing else to give. Um, I was there. I was just showing up, um, you know, trying to, again, stay above water. Uh, I, and I don't know if in, if anyone, you know, your listeners or you have ever experienced burned out, burnout. But it's like you, you're just in this mental fog where like, yeah, you're reading stuff. You're, you're doing on stuff. autopilot. You're just yes. on really just on autopilot. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the worst parts, especially for women, is that we do have to go through it multiple times because we have to go to, to the part where we're actually proving to ourselves, well, you know, I can just get through this. I I can work through this. I don't, I don't care what you say. I can work through this. And, and I think that is what really starts to get that cycle of the multiple because we don't just jump when we feel it. It's almost like we convince ourselves like, you know, if I just work a little bit harder, it's like that hamster mm -hmm. on a wheel. If I just work a little bit harder, and you don't realize you're not kind of not going anywhere. 
Right. And the truth is, too, the internal chatter that's happening, right? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like you, you should be able to do this. And, you know, everyone else is is working at the same pace. Like, why aren't you able to do it? And it's like, not only the, okay, push yourself, but then we're, we're fighting against ourselves. We're, I, at least I know for me, saying the most critical and negative thing to ourselves right. versus the just saying, talk. yeah, versus just saying, okay, I need a rest. It's okay. I need a rest. Um, and it's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible what we do to ourselves. Um, but you know, when it comes to the, the having it happen multiple times, right. The first time it happens, at least for me, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, what? um, maybe I could try harder. It was me or, you know, something we internalize that it's some deficiency on our, on our end. Right. Second time around, it's kind of like, okay, this is happening again. What did I do last time? Okay, so I'll, I'll take a week off, right? I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of space. And then the third time it happened, because, you know, third time's a charm. The third time is just kind of like, okay, this is habitual. This is not the external environment. This is me. And I need to make a decision around what's most important to me and what do I value? And by the third time around, you know, I had been uh, coaching and, you know, I'm, I'm showing up a different way. I've done all the self-work and I had to stop and ask myself, wait a minute, if I were my client, what would I be advising them? How would I be, you know, directing or coaching them? And am I being authentic to me right now, uh, being a leader and being a coach to other people? And that, listen, that was the wake up call that I needed um, for me to really start to set boundaries, for me to let go of this idea that I'm superwoman because I'm not. Um, and for me to accept that, you know what? Um, I, I am not anyone's savior and things mm. will move forward. Okay. Without wait, me. wait, 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 wait. I need you to say that for the people in the back, because I think we go through that as women, as mothers, as fathers, as everybody. What was that? Wait, what was that? I am not your what? I am not your savior. And I, I, I coined it savior syndrome. Like when my savior syndrome starts to show up, nope. That's not my role. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause you, you said something that was really, really pivotal here and, and not just, I am not your savior, but the simple fact that you are fi figuring out, you know, if it were someone else, what would I tell them? What would I tell my client? And I think a lot of times, no matter where we are, we don't figure, you know, what advice would I give that friend? What advice would I give this person? Because we're thinking it's just me. Mm. So you said something that was so guys, if you are not catching these gems, you are missing out because that was something that is really pivotal. And I think a lot of times we need to sometimes, you know, go outside the house and look in, look in through the window and say, Hey, yes. You know, um, what would I tell this person? Because we can always see it when it's someone else, but it's hard to see it when it's ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, oh, wow, wow, wow. Okay, so another question is, what made you say, okay, I recognize it, but I can't be afraid to jump ship because I think a lot of times what gets us is the fear, that yeah. fear of, Hey, you know what? I recognize it, but I'm not sure if this is what I want to do. 
you know, that, that, and, and, and we get stuck in it because we're afraid to jump. We are, we really are. And I have to say we, cause we all get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great point. And so for me, once I got to that place, uh, I made the decision, okay, this, this can't be life. And from a spiritual perspective, that's where, that's where I really tapped into, you know, my spirituality and my relationship with God and just going back to purpose. Right. Um, so for me, it was really taking a step back. Like, okay, who am I doing this for? What am I trying to prove? There are several questions that I had to ask myself and I had to be honest and I had to face the ugly truth of those answers, right? Who am I really doing this for? What is it that I'm trying to prove? Who, whose approval am I trying to gain? And then, you know, the biggest one, like, why don't I believe that who I am is enough? Because uh, when you really start to ask yourself those, those initial questions, you get to that layer that you, like, it's the root. It's the root of the belief that you're not enough or that, you know, you you have to earn other people's respect and other people's love. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, working hard and, and you know, showing up and doing what you need to do and, and having strong work ethic is a bad thing at all, because that's, you know, that's a huge part of who I am. But there comes a period of time where those behaviors or that that space that you're in becomes detrimental to your health. Um, so for me, I had to I had to do the work of asking those questions, getting that clarity. And once I realized that, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, especially the first time around that the role that I had been chasing as like the senior HR business partner did all this stuff to get there 10 years later, finally got there. And six months in, I was just like, I don't I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. And I got 30 more years. Uh, so what now I, I trace that back to when I first started in HR 22. Uh, I, you know, saw HR business partner and saw their role. And I was like, Oh, I want to get there. And I remember I had a manager, a male manager who was who very condescendingly said at the time, Oh, you'll need to be here 20 years before you can get a job like that. And I remember in that moment, I was like 20 years. Oh, bet. I got you. Um, I was determined in that moment, like, okay, I was going to take on the projects. I was going to do the extra work. I was going to take the assignments that no one else wanted. I was going to shift into the different departments. Like I even left HR to go into the business because I knew that being, you know, understanding the business was a, uh, would make me a stronger HR business partner, went back, got my master's, did all the stuff. And then I finally got the role and didn't want it. Now, granted, some of it was because of the new environment that I was in. But when I really took a step back and traced back, I was trying to prove to this manager who probably doesn't even know my name anymore that I could do it, that I could get this role. And now that I had it 10 years later, I didn't even want it. I had I grown it. So, you know, I think it's very important that, you know, when we when we are looking to achieve a particular goal, that we are very clear on what is the why, what is the deep rooted, deep seated why, um, because you need that to be your anchor to pull you through. But if it's to prove to somebody else, if it's to gain the, you know, uh, gain acceptance, if it's to prove to even to yourself that you're enough, you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you really need to evaluate, well, what do you want to do? Oh, so I think you're really asking, what is your why? Mm. Yep. 
Yeah. So, so, okay. You get all of this. You're saying, you know what? It's time for me to jump ship. And you start off on your way. Now I have to ask the big question. Did you fly at first or did you fall? Because a lot of people love to give you, you know, the, the R. Kelly, I believe I can fly and they're in the clouds. So let, let's get to the truth of the matter. Did you fly or did you fall? It was a straight free fall to the bottom. Um, <laughs> but but the, the, the good news is it was a soft landing. And I, I think I, I went on the tangent about the, the previous manager there, but to answer your first question, you know, once I, once I cleared out all of this stuff of why I was doing what I was doing, I got the clarity of what it was that I really wanted to do. And once I got that clarity of what I really wanted to do, it almost empowered me and gave me a confidence that I hadn't had before because I was so clogged up, you know, with, with all that proving energy. So once I decided, you know what, I'm smart, um, I can figure things out. Like I got a coach uh, to help me. You know, I made the leap, and I made the leap from corporate America. I I, I wouldn't advise to any this to anyone without any clients. Like you know, some people will be like, "Oh, I had made my salary twice over before I left corporate America." That was not my story. Um, I left with a plan. I had resources. I had my coach. I was moving towards, um, you know, towards building the business, but. I left and it was it was a free fall. And here are the here are the reasons why I say it was a free fall. Uh, you know, one, no one really told me that entrepreneurship is a is an identity that you transform into. Uh, if you think about it, when we're when we're a corporate, we're working for somebody else. For the most part, even if we're not a subject matter expert in one particular thing, we have one function, like we have one job that we're operating in. When you step into entrepreneurship, you are HR, you are IT, you are marketing, you are sales, you are right. all the things. Right. I, I think that's <laughs> the one thing. And and I think it, it, it was the, the part of the thing for me is I think it was something that was so coined in the nineties because everybody was so proud. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And it was like, yay, but what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know? So you, because we, we, we were coming out of this mindset of from the eighties of, like you said, working for somebody working for corporate America. And now you have to do everything for yourself. And you don't realize that, Hey, you know what? I have to be HR. I have to be the CEO. I have to be, you know, the customer service person. I have to be everybody if I don't have employees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, building on that, learning, learning new things, or if you, you know, have the ability to, to contract them out, that's one. And, you know, there's so much of you don't know what you don't know. Um, secondly, right, another easy way to get burnt out when you're first starting uh, is working and, and not even just working a lot of hours, but working on the wrong things uh, like prettying up your website every single week or, you know, all the social media posts and making sure that your grid on Instagram is, you know, so beautifully curated. Um, all of those things, you know, I spent, I'll tell you, I spent a lot of time on those things because I thought, well, that's how, you know, that's what coaches do and that's how they get business. No, not, not what happens at all. Um, the other thing too is I, there, as I mentioned before, in terms of the transformation, 
you know, there was a lot of mindset work that I had to, uh, that I had to do in the beginning. And, you know, a lot of it, they'll say, you, you got to get out of the employee mindset, but never people really don't define what that means. It is that mindset of, okay, I got to work a certain number of hours, or I got to focus on a different thing. But what I found was the, the, the bigger part of that transition was all of my junk came up. So all of my m negative money beliefs, all of my insecurities, all of my fears, all of my doubts, it'd be like everything, every time I, I, you know, did something new, right? You, there was doubt, there was fear and you had to like, okay, well, what is this? Like, I think I'm supposed to be doing this and you, and you had to do, do the work, face that. Um, I remember, you know, thinking like, especially with business development, I was just like, okay, I supported salespeople for years. Like, you know, I sort of kind of know what the flow is. I, I had to learn business development as a skill and overcoming that, um, the reality that you're not, not that you're not smart, but that you don't know all things and that you, there's a lot that you're right. going to have to learn. Right. There's a lot that you're going to have to be willing to be vulnerable about. And there's a lot of, um, part of that vulnerability is asking for help when you need help. Wow. So, okay. You help small businesses and this seems to be the perfect time because, you know, COVID, the panini, the pandemic, the panorama, whatever you want to call it, has changed the way everyone has viewed business, whether it be in corporate America, starting your own business. But I've noticed there are so many businesses popping up. Mm -hmm. What is one of the first things that you do when a person comes to see you and they say, hey, you know what, Sabine, I am starting my own business and I need your help. What is one of the first things that you assess or help them assess about themselves? Well, first and foremost, uh, I um, call me a hater, call me whatever, but I tell them that all of the advertising that you see about, you know, get six figures in six months, throw that out the door, <laughs> throw that all the way. Out so the wait, door. wait, you're, you're, you're saying that no one's going to go from <laughs> being, you know, like Mr. Nine to five to being high value Mr. or Mrs. America in like two to three months. <gasps> no. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That is that is the first thing. And, and I, I get it. It's a marketing tactic. Heck, I fell for it right in the beginning. And then you start to buy into these programs and you get behind closed doors and you realize that it's a lie. So knowing that, uh, I clarify to people, yeah, that may not happen. And I don't know how long it's going to take for you to generate six figures or even a, a dollar, because part of you getting to the place where people are willing to give you their money for your expertise is you transforming into that person, right? So it, I can teach you how to build a funnel. I can teach you how to do all these things. But guess what? If your mindset isn't in that place, you will sabotage whatever it is that you're going after. So I deal with the mindset first. Like I have to understand what's your baggage, especially around money. Money is the first place that I target. Um, reason being because it's the whole basis of business. If you have negative money beliefs, if you have, um, you know, scarcity mindset, poverty mindset, it doesn't matter what I teach or what any other coach teaches you, guess what? 
you are going to find a way to reject um, reject that money. So we start the clearing. Um, any messages that you have about yourself and about your self-worth, uh, that was the other piece, right? Because you know, you go from, oh, I'm making six figures in corporate America, like I've I've made it to being an entrepreneur. And depending on where you are, like you're you're barely getting by. That is a humbling. <laughs> a humbling experience a very and so, humbling experience girl <laughs> <laughs> so you know i my focus is making sure that you're prepared because what i found when re another reason why my free fall um took place and i'm not blaming blaming anyone by any means was i had a coach who was a very experienced business coach but you know she did just the things that i'm saying she taught me all the things and trained and developing all the things but when we weren't on a call and i was in fetal position crying bawling like not understanding why there were crickets there was no one there to help me understand that one, this is part of the process or someone to like help talk me through what was really happening, what, what I was experiencing. So having had that experience, that's where I start with people because I feel like that's foundational. Once we can clear out the cut clutter of your inner critic, of your money beliefs, of your attitudes towards yourself, your own self-worth and your identity, then we can start building on, okay, who, who are you here to serve? What is, who's your um, ideal client avatar? What is your niche? All of those things, because otherwise it's just, it's built building on quicksand. Let's talk about, because I've heard you mention it a couple of times, the scarcity and poverty mindset. Mm. Mm. Yes. So for me personally, uh, in, in, in recognizing this about myself, so I was born in Haiti. Uh, so, you know, Haiti is a third world country. My parents came here when I was four. And, you know, to an extent, even at that age, I didn't realize that that I was poor, so to speak. Um, but, you know, being here in America, like kids make fun of you or whatever. So at some point I realized that I didn't have what other people had. And of course the messages in my household were always, we don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. It was four of us, no, four kids. So six of us in a two bedroom apartment, like my dad worked multiple jobs. So there, there was an understanding that we didn't have all the things. And, you know, my, my parents also were taking care of family back home. And so there was always this constant uh, messaging around us not having enough. And, you know, we, we couldn't ask for anything. And, you know, the belief was sewn into me around, you know, there are others in need. So I, I, I trace back uh, one of my very first, um, I guess, vivid memories of, uh, of the seed of poverty, if you will, or that belief. And it was after my my siblings came, we were going school shopping. Previous years, we would go school sh shopping. It was just me. And yeah, I'd get like three or four outfits, right? Like uh, for the new school year. Well, this year they came and I had like the same three or four that I always, you know, picked out. And I remember my mother yelling at me in the store and she was just like, you know, go put those back. Don't you know that there are other people who who need it more than you now? And we walked out the store and I only got one outfit, one outfit for school for that year. And I remember feeling crappy about myself and all that other stuff. Right. So fast forward, I think I was about eight at the time. Fast forward. Here I am, 30 something starting my business. And I'm, I'm not understanding why things aren't working. I'm, I'm not understanding why things aren't clicking. And so that's when um, that's when I had to take 
take a step back, like, okay, well, what are my money beliefs? Um, what do I believe about money? And the beliefs around, you know, um, that money isn't available, that we don't have any, the beliefs around others needed it more than me. And I even trace back, like, even when I was in corporate America growing up, like, I always had money, like, God praise them, has always blessed me with money, but I've never been able to keep money. And I, I just thought, okay, I gotta make more. I just gotta make more, I gotta make more. And so I didn't realize that deep seated or deep rooted in me was this programming that said, I don't deserve money, that other people deserve it more than me, which is why when I got it, I immediately had to give it away or I immediately had to spend it. I thought I was just a giver. I thought I, I was that girl. I was like, shots for everybody. Um, I just thought that that was my nature. But in reality, it's because I was so not used to having money. And even when I did get it, I felt bad about having it because quote unquote, others were in need. And so it was the same thing even with my business. Like I was pouring into coaches and pouring into courses and pouring into all that other stuff. I wasn't actually pouring into the business itself to grow. Um, so it's just, it's it's some of those things. Uh, and we each have our own money story. We each have our, our messaging right. that we've gotten as, child, as children that, you know, that will create our reality. And so I had to uncover all those things, face them, let them go and get to the point where I said, okay, I am just as equally deserving of receiving as I am of, of giving. Um, my prayer was, you know, I, I want a heart that receives just as much as I'm willing to give. And that's when things started to shift. So now, and, and let me take this away from money just for a minute so people can really understand okay. how deep this goes. If you think about it, some people have trouble receiving a compliment. Right. There are some people and I, and there was a period of time where I had that issue too. like someone compliments you and you're automatically like, oh, this old thing. Oh, yeah, I only got it. You know, I only paid five dollars for it or I da, da 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 And you you reject even compliments. Come on, say that again for the people in the back, because I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, OK. You know how they say saying this for a friend. I'm, 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 I'm the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so receiving is not just about money. Um, like money is is the you know the universal way of of how we um how we internalize what it means to be a receiver. But think about other areas in your life where you know someone goes to give you something, you'd be like, "Girl, you didn't have to do that," or you know what, I really don't need that. Or someone asks, "Is there anything that I can do to support you?" And you're like, "You know what? No, no, I'm good." Meanwhile, you have needs, and so. I think it's it's the not I think, but I know that it's the shifting around shifting your mindset around what it means to be a receiver that isn't rooted in selfishness. It isn't rooted in, in greed. It isn't rooted in anything else. But you have to understand that there has to be you have to be open to exchanges. So whether it's exchange for your time, exchange for, you know, your services, exchange for anything else that if, if you close the door. If you close the door to receiving in any capacity in your life, money or otherwise, you will see that reflected in, in you always being in a state of lack um, in some place, in some area of your life. So question, does spending mean I have money? <laughs> um, so it depends. It depends, right? Some well, people... okay. The reason I say this is because as a couponer, I'm always offering people coupons because I have extra. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I hear is, 
I'm not broke. I have money to buy this. Mm. So, I, I, and I think the mindset is usually I have money, so I'm, I can spend it. Yeah. So if it's rooted in pride or anything else like that, like, I don't, I don't need that. Like I can, I can spend that, that there could be some, um, some money challenges, but even on the flip side of that, right. Uh, people who hoard money, like just because it's not a poverty mindset, there is, there is lack rooted in that. There is a fear of lack somewhere that says, I got to hold on to all of this or else somehow I'm going to lose it and I'm not going to be able to get it back. So you can really tell a lot about a person and, and where they are and where, where their beliefs are based on how, you know, based on how they spend. Now, there are some people who are just like, hey, like I'm having a moment. I did something well. I want to celebrate myself. So I'm going to go out, you know, and have a nice expensive dinner. And then there are other people who are like, I had a really bad day. So I'm going to go I'm going to go on a shopping spree. Right. Like what do you call it? Retail therapy. Like, again, those are behaviors that are rooted in some negative money belief somewhere. Wow. So you have an event coming up. Let's talk about that. Yes. So I am launching She Leads Network and She Leads Network has really been designed based on a multitude of things. You know, one, looking at my entire career where I've seen women held back the most, uh, where in, both in corporate and in entrepreneurship and just looking at what's happening in the market today, you know, more and more going back to 2020, women, you know, definitely felt the, the brunt of the weight of uh, COVID and in the pandemic in terms of, you know, not only were they trying to balance their careers, but now they're at, like they're teachers and now they're trying to deal with home and, and everything else and be uh, supportive in their communities to now that, you know, things are starting to open up, that reality has hit. And, and, you know, for many of them, they're like, yeah, I'm no longer making work my priority or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at this place where I'm trying to decide what what's important to me? What kind of life do I want to live? Like what what kind of example do I want to be for those around me? And so she leads network takes the components that you typically see in networking uh, groups or organizations, and it combines the coaching, the accountability, the training and the development. So it's a one stop shop where yes, you build community, you build your sisterhood, you um, engage with people that you can collaborate into, you know, whether it's accelerating in your career, or accelerating in your business, but then there's the accountability um, and the support that you need to actually push through to achieving your goals. And so she leads network, uh, she leads network.com, uh, the doors are open and, and I'm welcoming our, our founding members at this point. It's so exciting. Um, I have a limited amount of, of individuals that I want to accept in as the founding members so that we can lay the foundation. Because uh, if you, you know, if, if you know anything about organizations, you know that the, the leadership or the, the founding team, if you will, they set the foundation for the culture right. uh, of the organization. And so I am being very, um, very intentional around building this culture from the ground up so that years from now, decades from now, it's an environment that women come in to and not only are received uh, in, in the fullness of their authentic authenticity, but that they gain something from it and they're able to grow and there's support during their transformations. Awesome, awesome. So where can people find you and She Leads Network and everything you're doing? 
Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so I, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, believe it or not, that's my playground. Uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, my handles on both are Sabine Gideon. Uh, on LinkedIn, obviously, is backslash in or in backslash Sabine Gideon all one word. You can also connect with me um, on on my website or check me out or check out uh, any other services that I provide on sabinegideon.com, S-A-B-I-N-E-G-E-D-E-O-N.com. And of course, she leads all one word network.com. Awesome. So Sabine, it has been amazing having you. And thank you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. It um it it actually has been uh almost a little therapeutic for me uh in, in kind of recalling some of these things and 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 the journey. So thank you so much. Were you getting all of those gems she was dropping? Because if you did not, you need to re-listen to this episode. Oh my goodness. All of her information, of course, will be in the show notes so you won't miss a thing. But as always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is your man's Mr. Dominic Cruz, featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Yahoo, and Fox. And you are listening to CQP Moments with the Coupon Queen Pins.